Uh, exciting thing about Mexico, we as a church have been involved there actually a bit. Uh, we, of course, sent Stan and Ruth, uh, some of our own down, and Stan and Ruth helped rebuild a building to become our Alliance guest house. And uh, one of the elders, Sean Durkage, and I got to go down there when Stan and Ruth were there. And I can remember part of our journey was going around praying. And to me, I get so thrilled and so excited to know what the prayers that God's people from the various churches going into a land, what the prayers have done, what results have happened. And if you don't know, as I've been studying the last uh, week or so, I've been looking, I've, I've done a little bit of dabbling in uh, church history, of course, and uh, looking at revival. And uh, I can tell you that we desperately, desperately need revival. We haven't had one for a while. I think the last, there's been little smatterings here and there. But revivals in the 1700s started with a sermon. Do you want to know what the title was? Anybody know 1700s? Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Whew, can you imagine that one drawing people out today? Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And then in the 1800s, there was more revivals that began to sweep all across the continent and into Europe. And uh, it really, I mean, there's some like cities like Chicago. Before the revivals, they had so many policemen uh, they could barely make the payroll because it was so much crime. Revival swept through Chicago. This is 1800 stuff. And they actually had the policemen sweeping the streets because crime went down so much. I can tell you in Saskatoon in the 70s when revival went through, uh, people were taking back to places they had stolen from property and money. Uh, it is incredible. And you might going, ooh, that sounds goosebumpy. Well, it's also a little scary <laughs> talking about our sin, dealing with our hurt, letting God heal our souls. One of my biggest concerns today, as, and this comes kind of out of my own personal experience. About two weeks ago, I had some soul wounds kind of revealed in my soul. And uh, I thought, well, who can I go to to talk about this? And I went to Mel Sigago from Rising Above, and we worked on some of those soul wounds of mine, and God met me there. And I can tell you through Holy Spirit Weekend, Soul Care, uh, Church Renewal, Change Hearts, Change Lives, every staff person and elder and spouses have been talking about how they have been going deeper. Some of these people are almost 80, and they're going deeper. Doug from our district office at Soul Care, giving his own personal testimony in our youth room just months ago, said that as facilitator and teacher of Soul Care, he keeps going deeper. And God keeps healing more and more of the lies and things that he's believed in, the, the hurts that he's had over the years. I don't know if you're aware, but there's a lot of people sitting in the pews and I could say standing in the pulpits. There's a lot of people, we have what some wise theologians, it won't sound so theological when I say it, but I will call them wise theologians, term it as fire insurance Christians. In other words, you prayed the prayer, your sins are forgiven, 
When your casket is laying up in the front of this church, the pastor will stand up and say, you are saved, you're in heaven. But if we were honest, and I love funerals, I get to do a few of them, and I love how people speak so nicely, and I've, I've often thought, boy, I, I think I'm gonna give my family permission to tell the truth at my funeral. But a lot of us just have fire insurance. We're going to heaven. I don't know if you're aware that the Christian Missionary Lawrence started with a Canadian, Albert Benjamin Simpson. He's from out east, took his training in Toronto. First church was in Hamilton, Ontario in the 1800s, early 1800s. And he ended up in the southern U.S. during the Civil War, ended up in New York, and he began to start what we now know as the Christian Missionary Alliance. As you walked in the front doors, if that's the doors you came in, you walked across a symbol in the floor, and there is in that symbol the fourfold gospel. The fourfold gospel is really from the 1800s, and it represents sort of Simpson's journey. The cross represents his salvation as a teenager. In Nova Scotia, I believe it was, as he was heard a preacher preach salvation, and he, he went walking in the uh, lowlands or something like that, and Jesus met him there, and he was miraculously and unbelievably saved. And then he went on to be a minister in Hamilton, moving into the States, and along his journey, he came across what were called Keswicks, a Keswick teaching came out of England. It was a deeper life teaching. And he began to say, and he began to teach that the pews are full of, and he didn't use these words, fire insurance Christians. What he would say, the pews and churches are full of shallow Sunday morning Christians. And he began to believe the conviction through the Keswick teachings that there was more to be had. He was out in Old Orchard, Maine, and he had heard a good sermon on the filling of the Holy Spirit. He went for a walk on the ocean, and the waves were rolling in, and he began to describe, as he opened up his heart to God, there was like liquid waves of love coming in as the ocean was coming in, going through his being, and it just caused him to burst into tears as he experienced the unfettered, uncontrolled love of God. In his 40s, Simpson then, and that, by the way, there's a little wine cup in that emblem, and that represents, uh, and the altar of heaven, there's a great big bowl with all the prayer of God's saints. And years later in his 40s, he had such a heart condition, walking upstairs like this to preach, he would have to stop halfway, catch his breath. Doctors told him he didn't have long to live, and again, he's at Old Orchard, Maine, and the same thing happens. He hears a preach, a sermon on healing, and he is miraculously healed, lived into his 80s. So we have Jesus Christ, the Savior, Sanctifier, Healer, and then there's a crown out there. And the crown, he began to be convicted, especially in the 1800s, and we're almost losing it now. When Jesus told the parable of the virgins that were waiting for the bridegrooms to come, and some of them ran out of oil, and they no longer could see or even light up to the bridegroom, this is where they lived. And Jesus said, that's like a lot of you Christians. You're so focused on yourself, you're, you're not even watching for the second coming of the king, that Jesus will return. And Simpson came under such conviction. You know, he, this is the era of maybe morning, maybe noon, maybe someday, those beautiful hymns that were written, and we've kind of lost that. We've become these 
fire insurance, Christians. I don't know about you, but I hope God is stirring in your soul. We've been going through Hearing God, and we're in our fifth Sunday service of Hearing God, and we have a class that we're teaching. There's about 375, 385 people that have been taking it, and we've been going through a series trying to help each and every one of us hear the presence of God better. I always want to repeat this in case you're new here. The primary way God speaks to his people is through his word. And yet very few Christians, fire insurance Christians, we never read our Bible. And even beyond that, like I said last Sunday, we don't even memorize it. We don't allow the word into our hearts for the Holy Spirit even to use. How is the truth going to set us free if we don't even know what the truth is? So you can hear God's voice, people. And I would argue the sermon title that I have, how do you hear, or what can you hear God's voice for, uh, the number one answer to that is everything. Oh, yesterday, I gotta tell you this story. My granddaughter, Una, granddaughter Una, she's one years old. I was babysitting her in the afternoon and she had to have a nap. She was being fussy, so Grandpa, got to hold her, and I walked around, and we have some Google things. That's another whole funny thing. So I said, hey, Google, put on some worship music. And uh, it, I didn't know this, and I found this out. All of a sudden, this kind of, you know, 1960s or 70s kind of really worshipy, slow music came on. She actually started shrieking and crying, and I was like, okay, okay, Google, turn on contemporary Christian music. That didn't work. It got me even worse. And then my wife goes, say praise music. So I said, okay, Google, turn on praise music. And Una, my little one-year-old, this rowdy, rapturous, energetic, praise the Lord like we just experienced music came on, and I kid you not, she laid her hand on me. She went to sleep, and I sat down on the couch. Oh, finally, I can't, don't need to walk around anymore. About half an hour in, she woke up with a start. She seemed, the music's still playing, by the way. But she seemed a little concerned upstairs, and she lifted her head up, looked up at my face, and she laid her head back down. And God told me, Anthony, that's the kind of intimacy I want with you. When you're afraid when your soul is hurting, when you think everything's coming apart, look at my face. I'm here for you. Do you want, do you long, do you want, do you desire to have your soul healed and, and, and fixed up in such a way that you can look up in his face no matter what's going on in your life? Last Sunday, I told you a story after the first service of a, a guy who lost his job and within two days, hearing the voice of God, he had another job. Just this last service, one of the members in the church came up to me and said, I was in the pew, and at the very end, God just said, go down to the front. And he said, I didn't know why. So I went down to the front, and there was a visitor in the church who knew him, came running down, and they had a beautiful, wonderful time of prayer and healing. See, this is that Una looking up to my face, laying her head back down. So I have a point number one. So what can you hear God's voice for? Well, I had to start with this one because I was reading, after all, about 
sinners in the hands of an angry God. So point number one is you can hear God's voice for sin. Did you know that, and especially because I had prepared the sermon yesterday and today, when I got up I said, God, what sins in my life? And believe it or not, I don't know, because I was so busy yesterday, I'm not sure, I, nothing came to my mind but this morning. I've had two things come to my mind so far that I've had to confess. It's wonderful. My soul is free. First John chapter 8 I mean, 1 John chapter 1, there's not eight chapters. 1 John chapter 1. Now, last Sunday, I told you about 1 John, how I tried to memorize it through a cassette playing in my pillow, and I didn't do so well in that exam, and I had to actually memorize the book of 1 John, then I rewrote the test, did well. So I'm preparing this sermon, and this passage comes to me because I memorized it. Holy Spirit had something to work with. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, listen to this. If we claim to be without sin, remember listening to God about things in your life, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. This is written to Christians. You'll see it a little later. If we confess our sins, oh, listen, this is so wonderful. This is lifting your head, looking up at Jesus. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we are not, have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. And his word is not in us. This is to Christians. You think, oh, I prayed the sinner's prayer. I'm good. No, keep it going. But chapter 2, verse 1, it keeps getting sweeter. My dear children, I write this to you that you will not sin. In case you were a little overwhelmed, I remember the first time I read the book of 1 John, chapter 1. I was in Bible college my first year, and I was overwhelmed. Then I got to chapter 2. My dear children, I write this to you that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, and I finally was going, okay, okay, I, I want to hear it. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. I have a question for you. It's mostly to men, but some of the ladies. I had a mechanic confess this to the first service. How many have used a screwdriver as a pry bar? <laughs> Everybody puts up their hands just about... Oh, it's going to get better. Just wait. You've got to hang in there. How many have used an electric drill as a hammer? I'm putting my hand up. Oh, some of you have. Mine was metal. I thought it could handle it. It cracked. didn't work anymore. I thought it was a good idea. I didn't want to get up under the car. Here's a good one. How many have used a chainsaw as a hole digger? Okay, like seriously, nobody's done that. Oh, one guy, oh, you, well, you're, yeah, your work, you kind of do that. You use what you have. You don't want to drive all the way home. Got to drill a hole for some cement thing you're building. He's a carpenter, if you didn't know. I knew when I did it that I'd have to replace the chain. I didn't realize how much the dirt was going to wreck some of the other stuff. And uh, I think the chainsaw usually works when I still use it. But uh, I, the reason I bring that up is because... Uh, when I was in high school, I was taking mechanics. I took three years of it. And uh, I remember we saw this video. Well, no, it was a film strip. It was that long. It was brought by Dinosaur Courier. <laughs> and the film strip had a guy called, it was a cartoon, Primitive Pete. And it showed all the ways not to use tools. And the purpose or the reason behind it was the tool was designed for putting screws in. The tool was designed for drilling holes. The tool was designed for sawing down trees and cutting wood. And only primitive peats, and I guess I am one, 
Only primitive peats would do that. This, friends, is a good picture illustration about sin in your life. Did you know that you were created and designed for a purpose for good works? Did you know that before the fall, what you were really supposed to be here for and how good you were going to feel? And when sin entered in the world, when sin entered into your life, I was reading an article, I think it was on Thursday, and the guy was saying that the world is flaunting sin because God's holding back his wrath and he's kind of letting us become our own worst enemies. We know the consequences of sin is death. There's more consequences to sin than that. And it's really important for us to start to understand who we've been created to be so that we can be free to be that and start to feel good in our souls. A lot of us have so much misuse of our souls, sometimes by others, sometimes by ourselves, and we're literally bent like a screwdriver used for the wrong thing, or our chainsaw chain has been ripped off, and we're kind of limping around emotionally. We're limping around spiritually. And sometimes it's even affecting our bodies. Stress and hurt and pain and unforgiveness and bitterness and anger, it just destroys us. We weren't created for such. So you can hear God for sin, but you can also hear God for inner healing. Oh, I love following this up after that last one. Again, 1 John chapter 5. I, I immediately went to that because the Holy Spirit, it was in my heart. I understood it. 1 John chapter 5 verse 13 says, If anyone among you is in trouble, oh, your life might look so good on Facebook. That food looked delicious. It made me hungry. Your trip to wherever it was and that hug with your kids, oh, that was beautiful. <laughs> but your life is a little bit unraveled. Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Oh, boy, holding my Una. That made me happy. Let them sing songs of praise. Well, Google was doing that for me. Is anyone among you sick? Oh, you just, you know, we could even go to 1 Corinthians. You know, chapter 11, where it talks about communion. And Paul says, some of you have even fallen asleep. Some have actually even died because of sin in their lives. When you use yourself for something you weren't designed for, the scripture calls that as an instrument of unrighteousness, it wears on you. It wrecks you. So inner healing, 1 John chapter 5, reading on further. Let them sing songs of praise, verse 14. Is any among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Our church actually has a reputation. I don't know how big it is, but I know people from other churches have come for our elders to pray. Do you think it's because our elders are awesome? They are awesome, by the way. No. I've got a bunch of guys that are obedient. Scripture says, elders, anoint with oil, they do it. Oh, I, we've had so many people healed. We should have a list for it. Verse 15, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Effective. 
Did you hear that? We're going to be doing a uh, Set Free conference in January. And just in case you've heard a little bit about it and you're scared, we do break into triads. We go through seven areas of your life. And the whole purpose of it is to set you free from the misuse by others and the misuse of yourself of who you are. God has created you to be a holy, righteous person, and sin entered in when you were born, and it hasn't gone so well. In fact, it eventually leads to death. This is exciting stuff. When we get prayed for, when we confess, I, I asked a person the other day, real extreme introvert, because they went to Southland with us and they were in the set free, and I said, were you freaked out before you went? And the person said, I didn't want to go. Why would I want to go? And I said, well, how was it? And they said, surprisingly good. Do you know what it's like to let your sin go and to have other people praying for you after you've confessed it? Oh, it's beautiful. We, I don't even like to use this word because I know cults do it, but we need to get back to these ancient paths. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus himself says, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, in other words, you hold to the manual and the way I've told you who you are, you really are my disciples. Oh, and this is a part, this, you realize this, you probably know this next verse, but didn't realize the verse before it. Then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Oh, free? I didn't know I was a captive. In soul care, we learned that there are two types of prisoners. There's one kind of prisoner we become captives because of things happening to us by others or the enemy. Did you know that when other people abuse you, hurt you, treat you badly, it can make you a prisoner? It can even bring spiritual problems. You know, deep in our souls, we, 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 we're bent. We start believing lies. Did you know a common lie of children that have been sexually abused, they believe they deserved it. That's the first thing a counselor has to deal with. You see how this pain just oozes in you because others have sinned against you. Secondly, we become prisoners as a result of our choices or actions. Yeah, we do it ourselves. In either case, we begin to believe lies. We have misuse of who we are, and it has affected or infected our souls. Friends, you can hear God for encouragement. Psalm 23, everybody knows Psalm 23. I don't know why. Walking through the valley of shadow of death, his rod and his staff, I mean, almost get this Grandpa Nunes image going on here. Or Isaiah chapter 40, though they mount up with wings as eagles. But the passage that came to my mind again, because I read the scriptures and I memorize, the Holy Spirit brought to me Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Read along with, no, don't read, but just quietly read along with me. For this reason I kneel before the Father. He just described what Jesus had done. From whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. That's how big it is. I pray that out of his glorious riches, and I told you last Sunday when I asked God, how do I fight this spiritual battle? God said, lift up my name and my victory. Out of his glorious riches, he may, listen to this, strengthen you. Do you need some strength? 
Is your soul feeling bent? Is, is the world weighing on you? Are circumstances overwhelming you? May he strengthen you with what? Power through his spirit in your inner being, your soul, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. It's like the word of God, understanding it, knowing it. So that, this, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, liquid ways of love, may have, listen to this, you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp, oh, and this gets really exciting, how wide, how long, and how, what is the other word? How wide, long, and high, and deep is the love of Christ. And to know his love, I, I mean like a grandpa holding his little granddaughter, to know his love that surpasses knowledge, oh, and this, it just gets more exciting, that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. You can have an intimacy and a caring and a healing and a, just an overwhelming soul. Let me ask you, if you had enough of fire insurance Christianity, start getting real change, real encouragement, real power. Uh, friends, you can hear God's voice, number four, for wisdom strategies. James chapter one, verse five. A lot of us know this verse, but this verse perplexes a lot of us. I used to read this, go, okay, okay, I need some wisdom. It says, if anyone lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So I'd pray, and I'd go, okay, now, how do I get this? How do I hear this? Did you know when the scriptures say that the sheep know their shepherd's voice? It's telling us that we can actually start to discern and learn, oh, we have an enemy, the devil. We have world and its ideas and thoughts that's flaunting sin. And we can start to learn when God is speaking to us and when the devil is trying to deceive us. Usually it's pretty obvious if it's angry, vengeful, I gotta take charge of this and it's got that kind of angst about it. It's probably not God. So we're in week five of hearing God. And for many, as you're in week five of hearing God, I hope this verse isn't perplexing you anymore. I hope as we end the service with our sections time that you're asking God, who should I talk to? Maybe some of you will come down to the front and somebody else will see you and want you to pray for them or maybe you need to come down to the front and deal with some sin. Friends, you can hear God's voice, num number five, for understanding the Bible. Maybe you read the Bible and you go, I just don't get it, I don't understand it. Jesus said to the religious leaders of his day that they studied scriptures and they could not understand them. John chapter five verse 39 says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. Now when I was in Africa, uh, the Africans used to take words of the Quran, write them on a chalkboard, wash the chalk into a cup and drink it. That's this kind of belief. I mean, we don't worship the Bible. The Bible only points us to the one we worship to. But the Bible, when it says it's alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, it's actually pointing us. It's revealing truth. It's not something we worship. I mean, people never used to even write in their Bibles, oh, those are holy, don't do that. It's pointing to Jesus. 
So these religious leaders were like that. You think in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. You see, when you study what Jesus said, and we could go into so many verses, he basically says this, that he speaks a little bit in code. And really the words are a little bit. So that those that are ignorant and really are blasphemous, they're just not gonna hear it. But if you earnestly seek him and you read the scriptures and you ask God to give them to you, you will understand them. John 14, 26 puts it really clear. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything. Hopefully you actually read your Bible and memorize a little bit so that there's something to be reminded of and reminds you of everything I have said to you. John 16, 13. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. Friends, do you know him? When you wake up startled, can you look up to his face and lay your head back down? I recently picked up a diagram of electrical wiring for my car, and uh, I couldn't figure it out. Has anybody ever looked at electrical wiring diagrams? Or even at a draftsman's picture of your house or a doctor's prescription, mostly because the writing's messy. Sorry, doctors, I know there's a few of you. And maybe come prove me wrong that you can write out clearly. I'm trying to think if my doctor writes clearly. I can't remember. Anyway, I'm on a bad track there. We'll get off that track. So I picked up this diagram. I couldn't understand it. So I phoned my son, Josh, up, who just had been through mechanic school. He grabbed it, and he explained it to me. This wire means it goes to ground, and this one's hot, and it's got power. And he explained it all. But follow me for a moment. Can you imagine if I had the guy that actually built the car and wrote the manual to talk to? That's what these passages are saying. The Holy Spirit is going to come, and he's going to teach you all the truth in the Word, and you're going to understand it. I've told you, and I, I will repeatedly say it over and again, when I first became a Christian, I had an uncanny understanding of the Bible that I shouldn't have had. I now recognize that was the Holy Spirit. And he was teaching me things like don't date a non-Christian or whatever it might be, even before I understood what it meant. Friends, number six, and finally, you can hear God's voice for, and you knew I had to include this one, evangelism strategies. My daughter was taking um, the Kairos course, and she was telling me what they learned yesterday in Kairos here at the church is that there's very few Christians in the pews, picking on you in the pew, I'll say in the pulpit too, we'll include me, four fingers pointing at, back at me when, there's a, just three, three fingers pointing back at me when I point at you. But there's a lot of people in the pews that have no strategy or plan to evangelize people around them. And I can tell you why. <laughs> because you've tried and it hasn't gone so well. What if, what if you were to ask God for strategies? What if you start hearing his voice? And sometimes it might not even seem like it's gone well, but that's not your problem. God's the one who brings them in, not you. Acts chapter 8, listen to this story in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. 
So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch. You know the story, right? An important official in charge of all the treasury of Candake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. He was a seeker. He wanted to understand. So he goes to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The Spirit told Philip, you want to have evangelism strategies, start listening. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Verse 30, then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet, and he asked him this question, do you understand what you're reading? Now if you read the rest of the story, you'll find out he says, nope. And by the Holy Spirit, Philip gives him understanding, so much so this guy gets baptized. They find a great body of water. He comes to faith in Christ and he gets baptized. You want to have strategies to reach the lost, your family, your coworkers? Start listening to God. He wants to lead you. More things you can hear God for, you can hear God for. I'm just going to rattle through a list. Assurance of salvation. I mean, there's scripture verses say that the Spirit testifies to you. Assurance of salvation, warning of danger. I could probably have 10 people right now put up their hands and tell stories of that. Warning of judgment. If you keep going on this path, something bad's gonna happen. Love, comforts, and encourages. Knowing why you suffer. Forgiveness, spiritual warfare, provision, direction and guidance, words to speak, prophecy, knowledge about something, choosing leaders, and much, much more. I used to have a Toyota RAV4. I went to Edmonton for something, and I think it was my daughter Kylie that was with me, and we had to gas up in Valley View, and I had a card lock then, so I went to the card lock, put in my code, all the thing, put the the fuel thing into the car, and I'm just leaning up against the car, daydreaming away. It had been a long day, and my daughter comes kind of walking out, looking concerned. She goes, Dad, and I go, yeah? She goes, Dad. I said, yeah? Dad. I said, what? You know you're putting diesel in your car, don't you? It was a gas engine, just to clarify that it wasn't a diesel RAV4. I wished it was, because it would have been a good thing. So I was, I was at about 20, 30 liters at that point, and I thought, oh my goodness. So I took out the owner's manual. And guess what? The owner's manual said, don't put diesel in your car. <laughs> I thought, okay, I kind of knew that, but it didn't help me much more. So I went on the internet, and there was some guys that were saying, don't start your car, drain the fuel, it's going to blow up your engine. But I'm a little bit of an optimist, so I saw some things on the internet that said, just drive it, put some fuel changer stuff in it and stabilizer and over time the proper use of your engine will make it run properly. Oh boy, did it run bad. It was overheating and it was sputtering and I could barely keep it at the speed limit and the gas got low and I put more gas in it ran a little better. The gas got low and put more gas in it got a little better, put more. Do you know that your soul is like that? You have been created for something and the Bible says for good works. And most of us haven't a clue what the truth is. And we wonder, why does our soul feel bent? Why do I have these lies in my head? I don't even know what the lies are, some of you might say. Friends, don't you want to go deeper? There's more to be had. There's more healing to have. I'm 58, two weeks ago, got some more healing. 
Every one of the staff and elders could say in the last few months, the last few years, it has been wonderful. I have people in the church that are saying, I am going deeper. Our women's ministry are miles ahead of all the rest of us. They've been teaching soul care. I think they're on their third or fourth rendition. The, the women in the church, they've got discipleship material they've been running through. They're going so deep, those 100 or 200 ladies that come out Wednesdays. And I can tell you, I've had ladies that have gone through soul care that have come away. One of our counselors in town said, I'm going to go take soul care because I keep having people coming to me that are getting so much healing. Their lives are being changed. Yeah, they got to, you know, you get healed and then you got the pathways in your brain that you got to work on and overcome. Uh, but did you know that most people that come to pastors or rising above, uh, there's a thing that presents itself. I mean, usually our soul wounds and our bent soul, it manifests in ways, especially if something comes along that's like what we were hurt in. It might come out as anger, self-protection. It might come out as control. Uh, I know that children of alcoholics, for example, there seems to be two camps that they fall in. They either become doormats or control freaks because they don't want anybody treating them like that anymore or they've had to protect and, and cover up for their dad forever. You see, behind anything that manifests, there's usually a soul wound. There's usually a hurt somewhere. And friends, we have a journey we're heading on as a church. We want to put the right gas in you. We want to see the Holy Spirit empower you. We want the scriptures to come alive. We want you to hear his voice. We want you to know that when you wake up in a start terrified, you can look up to the face of Jesus. And this is good stuff. And so I don't have everything to give you this morning, but I do have an altar. And I do have guys that love to pray. And God might tell some of you to come down to pray for yourself or to pray for others. I do have that right now. But we as a church, and this is the conclusion, by the way, we as a church have some stuff coming up. I should probably look at my notes or I'll get them wrong. We're going to have another hearing God in the new year, and we haven't decided exactly when. Uh, really, our schedule's so full but some of the staff are just saying, this is such good stuff. In fact, one of the worship players, uh, team members, I was saying, oh man, these sermons, I've been preaching, so I'm eight minutes over already. I said, I just can't help it. And they looked at me and said, yeah, but the stuff is so good. These are ancient paths. This is stuff the Bible's been teaching. This is exciting stuff. Are you tired of fire insurance Christianity? Are you tired of just having all the facts and theology? Do you want to know him? Do you want him to lead you? So we're going to do another Hearing God in the near year, New Year. At January 24th, 25th, we're going to do that set free that I talked about. And if you're caught in a web of discouragement and lies, now Southland will tell us that they're set free. 70% of people will find significant freedom from that. But I mean, you never arrive, right? 30% of people, that'll wreck them, the set free. And that's because behind what's manifesting, there's a lot of stuff lurking. And soul care is like set free on steroids. And soul care is like four days of revealing and the Holy Spirit speaking to you and sitting in triads and confessing your sin and having people to pray over you. And so soul care will be doing April 1st to 4th. But as I said, we can start today at the altar. We can start today at the altar. Fifth and final concluding point. I have long conclusions these days. I promise to get back to normal eventually. 
oh, maybe there is no normal, I don't know. I'm not running on diesel anymore. I'm trying to run on gas. In other words, the Holy Spirit, if you're not following me. Fifth and final point. Last week I talked about this, but are you memorizing the Bible and reading your Bible? I don't mean to pound this one. You know, the first thing you could pray for is give me a desire, God. Did you know he wants to give you a desire like that? So I started in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, and it was a new translation I wasn't used to, and this week I was getting frustrated. You know what God said to me? Quit. You know it well enough. And I'm going, yeah, but well, you know, what if I want to quote it from the pulpit? Most people, he said, don't pay attention to that anyway, the translations and whether it's perfect. And he said, and besides, he said, you have a smartphone and you can look it up. Did you know, this is a pastor confession, I get these verses come to my head all the time and I'm preparing sermons. And I got about eight translations in my head. And if I use my Bible program, I have to get the words perfect or it'll say it doesn't exist in the Bible and that just frustrates me. So my friend Google, oh, I should get royalty from Google today. My friend Google, I just search it, you know. <laughs> Whatever the verse, you know, for God so loved the world. Boom, John 3.16. Oh, there it is. And so God said, don't quit, quit, keep pounding yourself about Matthew 6. You've got it down. You've got the principle. Let it roll around in your head. Let it go in your heart. So I've started working on Joshua 1.8. Oh, and Isaiah, and it all got deleted here. How did I do that? My stomach must have deleted. <laughs> anyway, somewhere in Isaiah, memorizing a scripture first. Oh, dear. Even Google can't help me from that one. But friends, let's put something in. Let's have our souls healed. Why wouldn't you want that? I mean, you got heart trouble, let's pray about that. Your soul is bent, let's seek the Lord on that. Let's go to the scriptures. It's worth the effort. And I can guarantee you not everybody will hang in there. I know that. Hey, that was me, the pastor. But it is worth it. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, I know that the word spoken from Scripture, <laughs> the word is alive and active, and, and your word promises that when it's read, it won't return void. And so I know that your holy word is settled on somebody's heart here today. And more than anything, God, I mean, when I was preparing this, I was picturing uh, people being stirred. Uh, the, the little spark of faith in their hearts is, is, is fanning to flame. And people are yearning and aching for more. There's more to be had. There's more to be had. And we want to hear your voice and we want to memorize your scripture and we want to confess our sins and we want to be a change agent in Grand Prairie. And we've got a lot of good churches in town. And there should be no reason why we can't have 20 churches that are full with 10,000 people. Well, we're not that big of a town, God, but you know what I mean. And God, it, it's going to start with me. I need to, as a pastor, practice what I preach. The elders need to practice what they preach. The staff need to practice what they preach. The people in the pew need to practice what they hear preached. And some of them themselves preach. Some of us are very legalistic and we're not very spirit-led. Turn that knowledge of rules, the law, 
and the scriptures, turn it into obedience and freedom, God. Let there be freedom in this place. Let your spirit heal up hurts and the root to so much of our addictions and brokenness. Let it be healed. And so God, our altar is open. Would you speak to some that need to come down here? Maybe some just need to sign up for hearing God. Maybe some need to come to set free or soul care. And God, we're going to keep on this journey and we're going to keep going deeper because honestly, God, I'm getting a little bit addicted to it. I'm getting a little bit addicted to feeling better. I'm getting a little bit addicted to having my engine purring and not running like I'm running on diesel. God, this is good. And I want to go deeper, God. I've got so far to go and I still have so many wounds, so many lies I've believed. And God, I just pray you'll help and stir others along and fan into flame what you are doing in our lives. And God, may we hear you this week in your word and for our neighbors, for our coworkers, for our family members. Speak to us in Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen.